As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And I guess I'll just start off by saying happy Friday the 13th, everyone. And of course, I have I have only one guest. He's been on multiple times, always covering horror movies. He's the only one that fits this, doing this with me. Please welcome back to the show, author Anthony Brownlee. What up, what up, what up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you were on recently talking about Blackula. You said you were almost completed editing your latest novel have you can you break the news is that thing done complete ready to go it is officially done on my end i'll say um right now the book cover is being done okay so once that book cover is finally in my hands that book will be released and what is the normal timetable on something like that just so we have an idea well usually it kind of depends on uh, really the artist right now at this point. He um, it's like somebody new I'm working with and he actually has a few uh, projects right now. So could be maybe a month, maybe two, just depending. Um, but that book should be released this year. OK. All right. At least this year is what I was going to get to. All right. Sounds good. So. This is our Friday 13th episode. We're going to get right into it. We're going to be talking about all of Friday the 13th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Friday the 13th. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday the 13th, rated R. All right, so let's just get your general thoughts on the franchise. Well, Friday the 13th as a whole, like, I I just love it. I loved it since I was a kid. I've been watching it since I was a kid. It was always on TV. I mean, you know, TV back in the 90s was amazing. Like, every Friday the 13th, the, the Friday the 13th marathons were on. And even when the, there was, it wasn't Friday the 13th, we catch a few on like Friday nights or something, maybe on like you would say up all night or something like that. And I'd watch them every single time, you know, over and over again. And they're just fun. Like, you know, literally, you know, just fun Friday night slasher flicks. You know, they got, they're literally the epitome of when I think of slasher movies, this is like the epitome of what I think about as slasher movies is Friday the 13th. You know, they have the, you know, there's just the basic formula they set up, um, you know, would be victims. <laughs> always, always heading to Camp Crystal Lake in some type of capacity. <laughs> and then, you know, mayhem ensues. I mean, and, you know, couldn't ask for anything more. It's just Friday the 13th is just a fun ride all the way through. And I definitely agree with you about this is what you think about the slasher. Like you can go to Halloween. I like to call that. That's the prototype. Mm -hmm. But that's more about atmosphere and dread building. 
Right. When you when you think of slashers, this is the type of movie you think about. And look, Halloween two copied this formula the next year to make that. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. oh wait, we need more blood and gore now because of Friday the Thirteenth. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I, I first discovered Friday Thirteenth on USA Up all night myself. So there you go. Awesome. That, that's where I, that's where I got my first glimpse when I was probably six or seven years old, something around there. Yeah. Probably about the same age. Oh, so you were a little bit older than Nightmare, so that's good. That's good. Just a tiny bit. (laughs) So I'm sure you'll have some fun stories, and we'll get to them as we go. So I'll let you kick off the list. You're number 12. We're working our way to the top. All right. All right, wait. So you want me to get my list from 1 to 12? No, 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 no. I want you to start with your bottom, and I'll go, and we'll go back and forth. Go back? Okay. So my top. Nope, bottom, bottom of the list, oh, bottom of the oh, list bottom, first. Bottom, bottom, bottom list. Okay, now nice. all right. So least bottom favorite. Of the list, uh, always, I for me it is, um, the remake, but really not in the sense that I think it's a bad movie. Because actually, when I did watch it, I felt like it could have been almost a modern day sequel if they actually had just you know, you know, called it Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know the, I don't know, just 2009 or something like, you know, then just let you know that, okay, it's still following the same storyline, but since it technically is a remake, I always just put it at the bottom um, because of that reason, because it technically is already following a formula that's already been done and trying to be recreated. But I honestly don't, don't mind the remake. I can watch the remake as much as I, you know, watch the other ones, um, because it, it kind of did really set up that same formula and kind of kept that, you know, atmosphere, even though it doesn't feel the same because, you know, this wasn't a movie in the eighties. So, it, it, you know, that, that, it, you know, it had that modern day feel, but, you know, it tried to keep some of that essence of, you know, the, uh, the earlier films. Okay. Uh, well, well, I'll I'll give my thoughts on that movie much much later in this list. It goes a little <laughs> bit higher than you. I, ha- I I knew coming into this we were going to have very differing opinions, which is why I knew it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So, my bottom of the list, and this is I love. Well, one I like all of these movies, mm-hmm. but this one I actually love this movie, but I can't put it high on the list. And what I'm talking about is Freddy versus Jason, and the mm-hmm. reason. Is because it's it's a nightmare movie. This is the storylines driven through Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. The majority of the movie takes place on Elm Street. Right. You know, it, it's very little Friday Thirteenth. Yes, you get Jason, but this is a Friday the Thirteenth episode. Don't get me wrong, I love this movie, and mm-hmm. we've talked behind the scenes about doing a nightmare ranking. It will rank pretty high in that because I look at this as a Nightmare on Elm Street movie more than a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Right. And that's really the only reason I can give because I love it. It is easily mm-hmm. one of my favorite. It would probably be top four if I just ranked it without taking the Friday 13th into account. I love Freddy versus Jason. One of my favorite theatrical experiences. You know, I love Jason gets a lot of kills. I love the yeah. folding up the bed on Trey oh. kill. Oh my God, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I love Classic. when Freddy comes to the real world and they just brawl bloody as all hell. <laughs> but I'm going purely off the Friday the 13th part of it, and I'm going to have to put it at the bottom because it's a nightmare movie for me. Yeah, I actually do agree on that. It does feel more 
of a nightmare film just because Freddie, you know, he, Freddie's basically narrating it, you know, from the beginning and, right. you know, letting you know what's going on. And Jason almost feels like that, just that second element that just gets pulled in as opposed to it almost being part of it because, you know, this it's almost like Freddie's just using, obviously just using him as a tool, you know, in the beginning, but then he realizes he can't control Jason like he thought he could. So go to, go to your next one. What's, what comes what will come after the remake for me will be Jason X. And like I said, again, I love, actually really like Jason, love Jason X. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, because obviously, I mean, it's in the title, Jason X. I mean, it's the 10th Friday the 13th film. I mean, what else could you have done that, you know, hasn't been done already in this franchise? So, you know, they always say the big thing is like, you know, if they didn't start in space, don't take them to space. But I like Jason in space. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, uh, it, you know, and especially being it was like 400 years in the future and like the like Earth, the original Earth had been destroyed. And now they, you know, there's this Earth, two, And, you know, and now we're bringing Jason into this. And my one of my favorite parts of that is him being. And when he basically get, I mean, if, in that movie, he's basically blown to bits. Like he's not coming back, you know, in that film. And, but he's, you know, accidentally, you know, re like regenerated um, through their technology and becomes this Uber Jason. And I love his like, like metallic chrome like suit and like his mask. And he just looked, he just looked real. I just really like that look on him. Like you know, no, we had never seen Jason that in a sense that put together, you know, he's always been like, you know, more raggedy, you know, just always in like overalls farm, you know, type of, you know, type of deal. But this, he was just super decked out and like, you know, at the, I mean, I couldn't even imagine that Jason was on at the camp, at, you know, during those, like those early scenes, something like that, Jason like that. All right. I have Jason X a little higher up as well. <laughs> and I get the feeling my next one you're going to have up and probably kind of high. I could be wrong. And I'm talking about at number 11 for me is Friday 13th, part five, a new beginning. <gasps> yeah, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I know it's, it's, I love Tommy Jarvis. I don't love this Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> it's the, the fact that they have like, I don't know, a home for troubled teens and it's right on Camp Crystal Lake. I'm like, and that's where Tommy Jarvis just happens to end up at. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you got to look past that kind of stuff. But fake Jason, you get, you know, Roy. Everyone knows Roy is Jason, so it's not the real Jason. I can look past that because there's someone dressed as Jason running around yeah. killing people. So I can look past mm-hmm. that part. But for some reason, like, even though like, it's, it's sleazier than most because it had oh, a yeah. former porn director than Right. Yeah, yeah that directed definitely. it. It does have the most kills up to that point anyway, so mm-hmm. that's good. You do get a random dance scene in the bedroom that I always <laughs> love random dance scene in horror movies, so that's a good thing. But overall, I get kind of bored with this one. And like I said, I like all these, but I got to throw it at the bottom, near the bottom for right. that reason. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know. You can give your thoughts on it when you get there because I have a feeling it's kind of high for you. So, (laughs) where would your next one go? What's your next movie? So, my next one after 
uh, well, I guess, you know, before Jason X would be Freddy versus Jason for me. That's where Freddy versus Jason fits for me. But, you know, like what we said before, you know, I always did feel like it was more of a Freddy movie than a Jason movie. Um, you know, and technically it was the first Jason or Freddy film that I ever saw in theaters. Because most of those had all come out before I was born or just like way, way too young to, you know, have gone and seen it. So technically for me, it was both. So it kind of holds like a little special spot. And I just remember it being like, so everybody was so hyped for it. And I remember when I first saw it, it was me and my older cousin, we went. And after we got out of the theater, I just remember us coming out of our show. And then there was this huge line um, starting at the ticket podium, like almost to the door, like people just waiting to get in to see, you know, Freddie versus Jason. I was like, wow. You know, because that was like really honestly the first one I've ever seen like a like a huge lineup like that, you know, for a movie, not just a movie, but a horror movie. Well, and, I mean, going back, Freddy versus Jason was an event like they had the weigh in yeah. like a true mm-hmm. fight back then. Yeah. And it wasn't my first. I'll get to that one in a minute that I saw in a theater. But I went to see this the opening Friday night. I went back the Saturday night and I went back one more time the following weekend. Because this movie was huge for me. Like I say, when I say I love this movie, I love this movie. I'm Mm -hmm. only ranking it where it is because it's a nightmare movie to me and not a Friday Mm -hmm. 13th. Not for my overall love of it when it falls into the franchise, you know? Right. Uh, Yeah. And I will say I am bummed that 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 line was taken out from Lori where after she brings Freddie out from uh, her, her nightmare and then, like, you know, Freddie realizes he's in the real world and Jason's right there. And then she's like, you know, Freddie versus Jason, you know, place your bets. No, oh, from like, the trailer. Yeah. From yeah. The trailer. Yes. I'm like, how could y'all not put that or keep that in the film? That would have been so dynamite. Like, I just I never understood why they took that line out. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't understand why they sometimes put lines in the trailer and they never end up in the movie. Like they won't be on a deleted scene. They were literally filmed Nothing. just for the trailer. And, and right. I like, I don't know why it's there. All right. So I'm gonna move on and I'm about to make you mad. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say this and we're gonna table this talk because I know you hold this one in high regard. Oh gosh. Yes, I'm going with the movie where Jason gets his mask. Friday thirteenth <gasps> part three. I know you hold so oh we will we will talk about that. Later on up the list, because I know how you feel about that one. So <laughs> I'm going to let you go ahead and move on. We'll have that discussion there. All right. So after, wait, where do we start? Freddie versus Jason. So after that one going down the list um, would be Jason Takes Manhattan for me. Um, I'm going to jump and- in and say I got Jason Takes Manhattan right here. So at least we got one we're agreeing on right mm-hmm. here. This is the spot. <laughs> All right, and I like, like I said again, don't give me. I I love Jason Takes Manhattan. Um, it, it was the one I feel like I saw the most as a kid. I feel like that one was always on USA up all night for some reason. That one was always like the the one that I would always see, you know, the most of. And I mean, and I dug it, you know, and you know, I wish it. You know, I do wish it could have been in New York more, like like they originally intended. But I've seen like a lot of. You know, I have the Camp Crystal Lake Memories book and you know, I've got the doc and I know it wasn't the fault of like the director. It was, you know, the producers who, you know, pretty much kept pulling back saying like, okay, we don't have enough money for this. We right. don't have enough. 
medicine. So they spent the majority of time on the on the uh, shit. And, um, you know, everything just happens there. But but regardless, you know, it, it, was, it was still fun. You know, that was the first time you really saw Jason outside of his element. You know, he's not in, you know, you know, not in the woods anymore. He's, you know, in this city. And it's like, I just remember that moment when he's in Times Square where he's following uh, Rennie and Sean. And then he just kind of pauses and he just like looks around and just looking at this city. And like, you know, I mean, that was like, you know, because you could just see like, I even though you couldn't see his face, you just know like he's just like so so lost yeah you know in a sense you know he's definitely you know you know the, the old saying you know he's definitely not in kansas anymore right you know he's like in this you know brand new place but i liked it i liked a lot of the the characters that they had and especially the obviously you know the classic scene where julius and jason are fighting yep. on the roof and you know just the classic boxing scene and you know he gives that that line, you know, just you know, take your best shot, you know, motherfucker. Yeah. And just... <laughs> One <laughs> shot lops his head <laughs> off into a trash can. <laughs> Never could happen. Unrealistic, <laughs> but hey, it's a lot of fun to watch. Right, right. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna lie. I rewatched a lot of these, and this was one of the ones I rewatched getting ready for this, and it actually moved up because I used to absolutely despise this one. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't even have fun with this one, and now I can watch it for what it is, and it's fun. I still don't understand why when you know you don't have the budget, you're not able to go to New York. Why is this the longest one? Like until you get to like Freddy versus Jason, where they started making movies longer anyway. Right. Of all the original ones, this is the longest one. It has no business being that. They should have cut it down a good five, ten minutes, and it would have been even better. Take out some of that Jason on a boat. Jason hanging on an anchor. Is like one right. of the funniest scenes you can see, <laughs> like, like him hanging on as the boat pulls off. Like what? Oh man! Oh, hey, let yeah. me he let me ask. Stuff let's, let's ask this. Let's ask this question. What the hell was going on in New York in the eighties that they had to flush out the sewers with toxic waste every know. night at midnight? At midnight. <laughs> this is in New York. Everybody's awake at midnight. <laughs> right, and I'm just like that. That was. I mean, I never thought about that as a kid, but like when you get older, like you do, like kind of think about that stuff, and I was just like. I was like, yeah, like that's like super dangerous. Like just all these toxins and just like they're just flushing out like right under these like right under the city of New York. I'm just like, that's crazy. <laughs> and it's like really wild. But I will say the song The Darkest Side of the Night was probably like my like first introduction to like, you know, any type of like, you know, rock or you know, metal that I really loved and I consider it like one of my favorite like metal songs of like all time was the darkest side of the night. Like I love that song. Like I had to like download it, you know, years ago back in the <laughs> back in the Napster days because they couldn't Lord. find it anywhere. <laughs> I was able to like find it that way. And like it was um I kept it as like you know on the CD and like you no know, downloaded it into my like ipod and you know always listen to it that is like one of my absolute favorite songs like i love that song you know just basically just a song about you know the dangers and the loves of new york city you know in the 80s basically all right so keep it moving what's your next one because i don't know that we're gonna agree anymore that was that was a rare one let's see if it can happen again Well, after Jason takes Manhattan, that's where we get to part five for me. Okay, so it's not as high up as I thought. 
Right. Okay, I thought it might be a little bit higher, but okay. Give your thoughts on part five. Why yeah, it, like it, I mean, you're definitely right. It is one that um, was different, but in a way, like, you know, I expect it to be different because tech, because technically Jason is dead in Friday 13, part five. So to actually have, you know, an imposter is, you know, almost, you know, kind of fitting. You know, and you can always tell that it is an imposter because his mask, you know, has the blue stripes. And, you know, Jason has the red stripes with the with the mark in it. Right. So, you know, because anytime Tommy was hallucinating, he hallucinated about the real Jason. And and like, you know, like you talked about, you know, it was, you know, a little bit more sleazy, had that more sleazy element. But that that one had some classic scenes like Reggie the Reckless is one of my favorite characters in like the franchise like his his character was so fun I mean this is like little like one-liners and like that scene I think I just recently like posted a thing on it on in my Instagram story where you know Violet accidentally sets you know places for you know Joey and Victor who definitely aren't coming back in <laughs> the grandfather's like you know I don't think they're joining us for breakfast this morning <laughs> Reggie's like her any other morning like, yeah it's like reggie like yeah. always just cracks me up <laughs> just I'll, like, I, I'll give you that reggie's good <laughs> demon's good i mean the classic oh yeah demon, oh, baby yeah. baby and them damn enchiladas oh, i mean oh my gosh me and my cousins would actually do that <laughs> that scene with him and his girlfriend nita just do that whole scene like we would just like imitate that like all the time that movie is hilarious was were one of you in an outhouse when you did it? Because oh, definitely not. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry if I'm if I'm taking care of business. I don't want you singing a song to me. That's this is not the time. This is not the time. <laughs> it's oh crazy. Whoever came up, and then of course you got Junior and Ethel. Those two are like hilarious. They're they're one liners and just oh man. I actually got to meet them at a con back in like 28, no, 2017, I want to say. And I was really excited to meet them. They were like, they literally had them right next to each other. And I always have the Friday the 13th cast sign my uh, Camp Crystal Lake Memories book now instead of me bringing like all my posters because, you know, there's just so many posters. And I'm just thinking, I went to, and I'm just like, I have no idea what I want you guys. I said, you guys have so many classic lines in this movie. <laughs> I don't even know, like, where to start. And they literally brought, they said, they said, it's been a, a few of you like that. And they literally had this, like, book of just all their lines in it. Wow. <laughs> I was like, are y'all serious? <laughs> like, everything. And I was like, uh, and I actually forget which one I actually picked, but I ended up finding one that I really liked. And I said, I cannot believe y'all had like, had this lamination say yeah we got a lot of we got a lot of scenes in this movie with just these characters and they said a lot of people were having a hard time trying to figure out what their favorite line was oh wow all right as for me in this pick this is our number eight and i am going with the first one when they broke away from paramount jason goes to hell the final friday I'm sure you know this movie is is strange like i can i can almost justify putting this at the bottom of the list because Mm-hmm. It's not really a Jason movie either because it's a it's a body swap possession movie, if you will, mm-hmm. more than a Jason movie. They give this weird backdoor all of a sudden how he's just like some kind of demon that possesses different bodies. Like it's mm-hmm. a strange one. And I remember when this one came out, I had discovered Jason and a friend of mine got to go see this in theaters. And I remember being so jealous because my dad wouldn't let me go because I was 
I was about to be eight years old. I was seven years old when this came out. Mm-hmm. And I just missed being able to go and I'm being, being pissed. All right. Let's move on to your next one because it might be coming soon. Who knows? So this would be number seven. So my number seven is actually uh, Jason goes or Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Okay. Okay. Very close. So we're Very pretty close. Because I, I actually really love this film. I thought it because my cousin used to my older cousin used to babysit me a lot and he had it on VHS, but he had the unrated version on VHS. And I would watch this movie just like religiously at his house. Every time I went over there in the morning, I would just pop that VHS in. <laughs> and I loved it. And and for me, I guess it, it kind of just had that same factor about it. It's like Jason X, you know, because, you know, we've seen. You know they've been you know at the camp like so many times and you know and then this one was a little different it wasn't you know about teenagers it's you know this was like young adults and you know I thought it added more to the mythology of Jason you know you find out really he's not just just some guy in a hockey mask who's just like you know this killing machine he he's really just like this full-on demon now and you know that actually has this ability to you know, even though his body's been destroyed, he can swap bodies, you know, whenever he pleases until he can get, you know, to these relatives that will literally, you know, as Craig Duke put it, you know, he'll be reborn and, you know, he'll come back, you know, fully as himself. And, you know, I love the fact that he has, has a sister, you know, and I had always, because I had always imagined that um, the reason why we had never heard of Diana before was because she was like Elias Voorhees daughter and not Pamela Voorhees' daughter so it was like his half-sister that's how I always you know thought okay. about it which I thought they could have like would have been cool if they could have like dived into that more like why you know people really didn't know about her you know in a sense and they maybe could have brought up Elias Voorhees um you know especially with the Creighton Duke character who obviously had you know been following Jason knows Jason's you know basically his family you know, that, you know, even we as the audience didn't know. So he's, you know, a little, has more knowledge on that. And I thought they could have used him a little bit more, kind of going back to his story. Like, why is he hunting Jason? Which I find, which I actually, you know, found out in like, you know, some of the, uh, you know, just some of the interviews I read in the book that, you know, they actually had a lot of that stuff that they were going to do. But then they got, I think they got pressed for time and, you know, budget wise, they just couldn't do all that they wanted where Jason had killed. Uh, Creighton Duke's uh, like fiance and you know so it's like ever since then he just kind of like you know took a new you know journey in life to just you know basically try to stop Jason so like I said I always thought it was a cool story and it was always definitely one of my favorite ones is Jason so you you liked him changing it up I get it Mm -hmm. okay let me ask this because Creighton Duke has one of the strangest lines you will ever hear in a movie, period. And that's I when they, about. <laughs> I, I think you have to. And that's when they ask him whatever comes to his mind when he hears the name Jason Voorhees. And he says, a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. Like, <laughs> what? What the fuck? Like, what, is, what is this? Like, it, that will crack me up every time. It will. <laughs> Because it, it's like, what the hell is, what is he talking about? 
Because he just says, like, he, like, kind of does, he, like, really thinks. And then when he says, he just has that smile, like, <laughs> and then, like, Robert Campbell's looking at him, like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you knew where oh I was going God. with that. Oh, yeah. He's one of the funnest characters, I think, of, like, any Friday the 13th movie. It's, like, Creighton Duke. Because he was just, like, all in his own. Like, he didn't give two fucks. I mean, his whole scene with Steven where he was, like, he was like, you want information? He said, yeah. you got to play. And then he's like, <laughs> like breaking his fingers. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I know he's not breaking his fingers, but I swear every time I watch that scene, you see him take the hand and then you mm-hmm. just hear the snap and see how hard it looks like he's moving his right. I'm like, oh, like I, like I lose my breath for a minute while he oh, does. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Just imagining that pain. Oh yeah. They make it look like hardcore. Like, yeah. He's really just, oh, I know, yeah, I can definitely sense that. Definitely. I say, because that movie should only ever be watched in its unrated entirety. Like the the edited version, like it, to me, it just, it ruins the film, the edited version, which, you know, anytime I watch, I remember I would go to Blockbuster and rent it sometimes, and it would always be the, it would be the edited version. They never had the, uh, unrated version at Blockbuster. Yeah, so you, go to, you go to your cousin's, right? Partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always a bummer. So, but yeah, that's it's definitely one little bit up there for me. All um, right, moving to my number seven, and I know a lot of people will think this is kind of low. I used to keep it higher. It's moved down a little bit upon rewatch, and that is the original Friday the Thirteenth. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's a it's a who done it. Mm-hmm. That you can never figure out because you don't get to know who she is. You don't know, like you. I guess you kind of have to guess who the which counselor's doing this, like who's killing, because you can't yeah. never yeah. gonna figure it out. It's a revenge movie, and yeah, I mean, yeah. she's getting revenge. Which I mean, really, the rest of the Jasons are revenge movies because he's getting revenge mm-hmm. for his mom. But right, so it's good, but it's slower. I just I, it went down a rewatch, so I don't know. Just didn't enjoy it as much. This, I, yeah, I know everybody else is going to have it pretty high, but we'll see where you have it here soon because we're down to the final six. So it's <laughs> not going to go too much higher anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So my next one from that would be Jason Lives. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And again, you know, love it. It was, I felt it was, it was one I didn't see as much when I was growing up. Like I, I saw it like a handful of times. It was like the other ones I saw more. Um, so I actually used to have it a little bit farther back. And, you know, but then the more I rewatched it, like it kept dropping down more on the list. And I'm, you know, really, I mean, I'm, and I really realized how, how good it was. And so, and I just love the concept. And like the irony of Jason lives because, you know, Tommy Jarvis was responsible for basically destroying Jason in part four, but then was inadvertently responsible for bringing him back for like all eternity. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, you know, because to me, Tommy, to me, Tommy Jarvis is like the Nancy Thompson or the Laurie Strode or the Ellen Ripley of the franchise, even though he didn't come until later. You know, he's really the only character that came back multiple times 
and, you know, faced Jason, you know, he faced Jason three separate times and, you know, was able to survive each time. And I really, I really liked Tom Matthews' performances, Tommy Jarvis. I mean, I like John Shepard. I just didn't feel like they utilized him enough just because they kept him, you know, mute most of the time. Um, so it's like we almost didn't really get to know that particular Tommy, you know, in a sense. Um, but I felt like, you know, with Tom Matthews, it was just just this, you know, he was at that point, he was just so, you know, just determined to make sure that Jason couldn't come back and you just watch him, you know, basically kind of go on this, like this journey of just trying to just get almost like in a way him trying to get revenge for what happened to his mom and, you know, uh, some of the other teenagers that, you know, were there. And what it was, and part of the bummer that for me, I wish they had always kind of brought back Trish, um, Kim Beck for some of those uh, sequels. It's like anytime he would always, you know, have flashback, you would always just hear her voice, you know, just, you know, tell him, you know, Tommy, you know, Tommy, you know, he's just like hacking Jason up. That's, you know, that's the only bit we got of her in the sequels, but I always wish she could have come back at least in part six. I thought it would have been really cool to bring her back since it's kind of going back a little bit because, you know, Sheriff Garris, you know, really, really understands what happened back then, but like the, some of the teenagers don't. Um, obviously, or they, you know, they they hear now at this point, part six, Jason's just more like a legend, you know, than somebody's actually, you know, somebody that's real. So you can tell like some like some years have passed, you know, since all the other events. So it made it pretty cool, like you know, just to get these fresh faced, you know, because this was the first time again that you actually had counselors again since like part two, honestly, that you got counselors again, and uh, and then obviously it's the first time that you actually have. Uh, actual kids at the camp for the first time <laughs> in the franchise like you know you got six films and never have any kids at the actual camp <laughs> but uh I love Jennifer Cook as Megan I thought she was a great final girl like she was a lot of fun like she was really spunky like you know just one of those real spunky girls and mm -hmm. uh, and like one of my favorites <laughs> scenes I mean it's crazy as it sounds it's like Court and uh, uh Nikki like in the camper and they got like that rock music playing and it's like I guess it's supposed to be like their sex scene but it's like really tame at the same time because you really didn't see anything but it you know she's just like kind of rocking out while she's just like on them and it's like while this music playing and then like I don't know that's just like the wildest scene like I thought Tommy McLaughlin did a really good job with uh, Jason Liz and of course you get you know the whole Alice Cooper element you know, you know the man behind the mask and you know, that's some classic you know so they all together that that film is just it's really good to me i really love jason lives okay going into my number six you had it i think down at 10 or 11 i can't remember this is where i put my jason x ah, and, and 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 a big part of it is because this was the first time i got to see jason in the theater this came out a year before freddie versus jason mm -hmm. They were, you know, Sean Cunningham was about to lose the rights, so he had to get something made so that he could right. keep this going. And you can tell this movie's kind of thrown together. The uh -huh. dialogue's pretty bad. <laughs> Some of it looks kind of cheap. I'm not going to lie, but I have a lot of fun with this movie. You get the classic liquid nitrogen kill. I mean, one of oh, the best yeah. kills in the franchise. Uh -huh. I remember being just like, oh, that was awesome being in the theater because that was so badass. 
I love the whole virtual where they recreate the eighties and you get to recreate the sleeping bag kill. Like, I mean, oh, man. I think it's disappointing. Uber Jason's only there like the last 15 minutes. I yeah. wish we got more and they definitely shouldn't have put him in the marketing for it. If you're only going to have him in the last 15 minutes, like yeah. he was in the trailers for it. He's part of what you, like you want to go see this Uber Jason and he's not there long enough, but Overall, still, I have fun with it. It's a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. All right, move, moving on to your number five. My number five will be the New Blood. Hi, right, I'm and, with you. I'm on New Blood right here too. So that we matched another, up again. <laughs> yeah, another one that you know, I you know that I saw a lot growing up. That one was always on too. Yep, and I, this- and I, I know just from like interviews and like reading of, of course again that that's where they originally wanted to put Freddie versus Jason yep it was right yep. there so originally like you know 88 but obviously you had you know two entities Paramount and New Line Cinema so you know I thought it was amazing that they came up with this concept of you know basically Tina having these uh telekinetic telekinetic ability so you know as they always call it you know jason meets carrie yeah the, they are say you know yep. in the sense but i try not to relate it to that you know just because but um but i love the fact that jason finally has like a, a different kind of foe who you know since jason always has these supernatural abilities what if we gave her you know you just have a regular girl who just happens to have this innate ability in her you know and I thought that was really cool to do something like that, to have somebody on his actual, you know, playing field who could really match up with him. It's like, okay, if you can kind of do all this stuff, you know, here's what I can do. And, you know, she has, you know, with her abilities. And it was a lot of fun just him kind of duking it out. But, you know, her, every, you know, when he finally like kind of traps her, like when she runs back to the house and she's just throwing like everything at him, basically, like, you know, anything she could find is just going or, you know, where she, uh, knocks him out with the light fixture and he like falls all the way down to like that the basement you know it just had some really cool scenes in it and which of course you know we all know now is like one of the most heavily centered you know friday the 13th films that ever came out was that one and i actually had seen some of those deleted scenes they were super super grainy yeah but you could still see them and i'm just like when i look at them yeah they were kind of they were kind of brutal but like with today's standard, I mean, it's it's really not as bad as I felt like it that they were making it out to be. Where it's like, oh, we can't have all this. I mean, and I thought those special effects were incredible, and like that that would have put that movie like over the top. I feel like, I mean, a lot of fans love it anyway. You know, that's one of the ones where you know they come out with several sequels and like part seven for them is like you know some of them ranks really high. Like some people, part seven is their absolute favorite. Like it's like their number one. And just to have all those those scenes in it to really make it complete would have just been like amazing, even more. Well, even I guess even more amazing, you know, if they were able to keep all that stuff. Because one in particular I remember, or actually two that I really liked was Ben when he kind of gets his head crushed, you know, after they, uh, he's trying to look for Mike. He thinks Michael's out there, you know, messing with them out in the van. And like you really see it like they actually put it in like slow mo. Like him just cutting, it's like it's almost like his head. It's like a water spot, like a waterfall just sprouts out from his face. It's because his head's just getting crushed from these deleted scenes that I saw. And I'm just like, I was like, that 
that's like I mean I just remember my like jaw just dropping like that's I said that's how far that scene went like you know it was it was pretty brutal right and then the other one would have been like Russell's scene because you actually see when Jason kind of catches him with that machete like right up his face I mean he basically just has a huge slit up his face his face basically split in half and I said that's like that's so cool like you know because other than Jason goes to hell part seven to me probably the second most brutal Jason that there was that they had kept those scenes in just because of how you know raw and real they were yeah absolutely and don't forget you're burying the lead this is where we get our introduction to Kane Hodder as Jason the only person who's going to play him more than once of course and this this movie right here was the one I remember catching like the end of on USA up all night and mm-hmm. I had to see Jason for the first time. Tina, I think, is a very strong final girl. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One of my favorite final girls outside of the fact that the ending, and, and I realize it has to play into the beginning with the father, but the right. father has to be the one to come and pull Jason down. I'm like, no, just let Tina end this on her own. Mm-hmm. But I realize they have to tie it up from the beginning. I know why they do it. And you talked about the effect, the, the effects. I mean, I love when she starts tightening and his mask just breaks over oh, his face. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's it's disgusting. It's cool. the cool one of the coolest looking Jasons. It's where you start getting like the bones in the back with the jacket ripping. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just a badass looking Jason. I have a friend. He's been on the podcast multiple times, Chris. This is his favorite. He is the Friday 7 guy. So you talked about people having it as their favorite. He's one of those. So yeah, another one we agree on. Now I know our I, I know our next one we don't. So go to your number four. Let's see. So after uh the new blood, so for me at that point it's uh part two. Down further than I thought. Okay. And uh you know, definitely love part two a lot. You know, I know Jenny Field is like a pretty much a vast majority of people's favorite final girl from, you know, uh, from the franchise is Jenny because, you know, she does have that that ending scene where she just kind of figures like kind of figures it out with Jason and, you know, kind of manipulates Jason, yep. you know, using her smarts um, to kind of play into that. Um, but I always say one of the bummer things is just like the whole uh the beginning even though it was like you know really cool scene but just alice you know you know just knowing that what she went through and then like to be like kind of killed off like so quick i guess was kind of like a a bummer you know it um you know kind of almost in the same vein of like you know the the last of the dream wars in part four rachel carruthers and halloween five you know kind of for me kind of felt like that i just felt like she deserved more just because of like everything she did, everything she went through. And, you know, the way the timeline is, this only happens like a few months after the events of part one. Is that how long it is between one and two? No, just, just the opening scene. Okay. So just okay. the opening scene is two months, but then once the credits roll and that, you know, get that big white screen and then, you know, the truck's driving up the street, then five years. Have passed. That's what, okay. That's what I thought was mm-hmm. five years. Okay. I got you. Right. And so, uh, and so it actually took me, when I was younger, I never actually realized that, that it had, you know, that it had made that big leap. Because, you know, like I said, you know, when you're younger, you like certain things you just don't realize. And I said, one of the big things I didn't never realize is that you actually see Alice at the end 
you know, when Jenny finds that altar with Jason's mother's head or Mrs. Voorhees head on, you know, you got the two bodies, you have Terry's body and then like the, like the sheriff's body. And then like sitting right in the middle was like Alice all decomposed. And I never picked up on that. And you can actually see the ice pick still on the side of her head. And it's like, I never picked up on that until later on that that was supposed to be her corpse. Yeah. Cool little detail. And <laughs> I have this movie a little bit later, so I'm going to hold off. And I'm going to go back to one you talked about. The bottom. The bottom of the list. This is where I put the reboot. This went way up on a rewatch. Way up, oh, okay. And and you say you like you would like it as a sequel. I like it because you get... So basically by this point in our life, when you think Friday the 13th, you think Jason. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers Mrs. Voorhees. Horror fans do, but the general public. Right. Also, what else? You see a hockey mask. You think Jason. Mm-hmm. So they take it. They give us the quick opening, getting the mother killed. So we get that little backstory enough for the new fans. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of Sackhead Jason from part two. Yep. And then we get to the hockey mask. And then you get the looking for a sister storyline of part four. You get a mm-hmm. modified version of the sleeping bag kill, this time being roasted over a fire like a pig or something. Right. <laughs> so you get a lot of the movies inside this one, but it's updated yeah. enough for a modern audience to get them into Jason. I still mm-hmm. hate we never got to see Derek Mears' Jason again. I thought he made a fantastic yeah. Jason. Yeah, I definitely like Derek's, Derek's Jason for, for sure. Yeah. I, Trent, you get your normal bad guy like you the dumbass uh, group. He's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And like the some... biggest scream queen in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that. Yeah, that screaming for that part was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, overall, this one went up. So I can't fault it too much. All right. We're in the final three, man. All right. So this one, part four. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. I really love um, the final chapter. Um, final chapter, you know, just had a lot of good, had a lot of fun elements. I mean, just random di- different elements, you know. So, of course, you have the brother and sister element. You got uh, Trish and Tommy. And then uh, you <laughs> just randomly have, like, you know, a set of twins in there. Um, and then, of course, Crispin Glover's in there with his, you know, awesome, you know, 80s, I don't know on acid dance moves. <laughs> like, this is the best way I can describe it. <laughs> so it, um, and to me, it was definitely like, you know, had a lot of brutal moments in it too, especially with, um, with one of Kristen's characters, you know, Jimmy just getting the, the wine bottle to the face and then like, you know, the, uh, no, sorry, the uh, machete to the face, but the wine bottle, uh, the corkscrew uh, in the, the hand. Yeah. In the, yeah. In the hand. And uh, and then just the whole, and then I really one of my favorite elements is the whole the whole chasing with Trish, like you know, it just seemed like it was endless, almost. You know, you know she would you know run back to the other house and run back to her house and run back to the other house. You know, you know it. And then that you know at that last moment, you know where she jumps out of the window to save herself and do that whole slow motion scene. You know, it was that was a lot of fun. I really loved how they kind of like really went in on this one because you know at the time they thought it was going to be the last one so i really felt like they did it justice to the point where you know that you thought it was going to be the last one you know so that you know that you had that huge recap at the beginning of like one well at that point one through three 
Right. And just like, you know, the campfire story from part two and just, and then you get everything. And I just love how everything just happened within days of each other, like from part two up to that point, you know, it had only been a matter of like four or five days. I don't even think, I think like it's supposed to be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those three go like one day into the next day. Something. Yeah. Something like that. So all those just happened like, so and you just kind of, they just kind of kept it, you know, that way. And, you know, Ted White, it was an amazing Jason. He's one of my top Jasons is Ted White. Um, he was like, I mean, he was just super tall and menacing, but he wasn't like, you know, that, that uncomfortably tall where it's like, wow. And I'm, and, and, and to that, I mean, like, I'm sure you've seen the remake of Halloween. Tyler Maine was a giant. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. like, you know, so Jet to me, like, you know, Ted White was big. You know, he wasn't like, you know, still just kind of kept that, um, you know, where I really just bought it. Him as, you know, being like, you know, just really just menacing Jason. And I, one thing I wish they could have utilized was maybe um, since it was like kind of like, one almost one after the other maybe kind of have like some of the girls like in the same hospital like have you know jenny in the hospital with chris there as well you know because they're they're literally just bringing all these bodies in literally from the day before you know and i thought it'd be cool to like have them meet and like talk or something and you know just them not knowing that they just encountered the same person you know and I thought it would have been kind of cool. To, I mean, I, obviously, I know because technically, you know, a few years had passed and, you know, reality. So maybe, you know, they, maybe they were busy, you know, couldn't. But I just thought that would have been really cool for part four to just kind of wrap wrap stuff up in a sense. Even I mean, even though they, like I said, they, I felt like they did do a good job anyway. I just thought that would have been like maybe like a little icing on the, on the cake type of deal. Okay. So I, that leads me to this question then. Would you rather have the character come back and get killed off like Alice, or would you rather not be able to have the character back and just not know what went on with them afterwards? Because we don't know their fate because you never get to see them again. We know Alice's fate because she came back at the beginning of two. Right. Which one do you prefer? I guess in a way I do kind of prefer that you don't see them. And then, because that way you can kind of put them in your own box and say, okay, you know, this happened, but I feel like maybe after this much time has passed, you know, that they're, they're okay now, you know, cause who to say they're not, you know, That's right? you know, we don't know. And like, they could just go on and just live their life, move to say, you know, definitely never going back to Camp Crystal Lake ever again. And you know, might've moved all the way on the West coast, you know, <laughs> and just like, you know, said F that place, you know, so you just, you know, you never know. So sometimes it is kind of good just to, you know, not see him and just kind of have your own just kind of, you know, fantasized, you know, kind of future form that they may have. Um, or if not that, then, you know, maybe a character could maybe just something drop in like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, this person. And, you know, yeah, I heard they left years ago. And, you know, what, you know, this, you know, something like that, you know, could be, you know, just as, just as simple, you know, just just to name drop them. Just I mean, just a, a quick you know, a couple lines here and there just to throw it in out there for them. Okay. All right. So I'm going to move on to my number three. This is where I put part six, Jason lives. You pretty much covered it pretty well. I will say, I like the fact that Tom McLaughlin injects some humor into this one. Oh love, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he puts a lot of humor. I love the paintball crew. I love, <laughs> I love the <laughs> fact that, 
Yeah, the paintball crew stuff is hilarious. I love the the couple on the storming night or whatever, and the woman tries to pay off Jason, giving her a credit card. She'll go to the ATM, <laughs> and it literally cuts to the American Express card. At the time, that was huge. Never leave home without it. Without and all it. That whole campaign. <laughs> like, all that stuff's hilarious. Like you said, Tommy being the one who wants to destroy him is the one who brings him back and basically Frankenstein's Jason to life in this one through right. the storm. Like, it's got a lot of good stuff, and it's really... Actually, it used to be my number two. It actually fell one spot. Wow. And that could and that could be because it's one of I only didn't rewatch two of these getting ready for this. And it was one of the ones I didn't get to rewatch because of the fact that I knew it so well. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, it's still like I said, we're at the top. There these are all good at this point. We love all these movies anyway. So right. We'll and I will say for that part six that I did mention before is that that's where they actually wanted to actually have Elias Voorhees find like make his first appearance was in part six. I don't know if you ever saw those original storylines or storyboards. He was actually supposed to be introduced in part six where, um, so, you know, the, the guy that, uh, that covered, uh, well, he thought it was Jason in the, in his, uh, little coffin down there, but it was really Hoss and he like dug the grave back over, um, that older guy, you know, he ended up dying in, uh, later on he gets like his like a beer bottle to the like broken beer yeah. bottle to the throat but in the original storyboard he actually survived hmm. and you know once you know they destroyed or you know uh uh jason at the end you find out who actually had jason buried in the first place because he comes back to go put like flowers or something like on the grave and it's elias Voorhees and the old graveyard keepers like the one there saying like something like oh you're back putting and like i don't understand why you put you know flowers on his grave or come back and you know do this and he's almost supposed to be like a like a sh- like a shadowy type of character like i mm. i think that the way i thought like you don't really see his face entirely but then you but think like somehow or another you find out that it's elias Voorhees mm. is the one who you know uh put jason in the ground and who's also responsible for actually having pamela buried in part four like randomly off on the side of the highway which i always thought that was so weird like you see like a random headstone like in the like right off the side of the highway like that but that was supposed to be him as well but they end up cutting that which i thought that's one element that i always felt that they were because i said that's one element that we never really touched we know that elias Voorhees is his father but we've never actually seen him or they've never utilized him and if they wanted to do something different especially now that you know, Friday the 13th, they're talking about making some new movies. Like, I feel like that should be something that should be touched on is Elias Voorhees. Because he technically is the main line for Jason. Of Like, it to me, it's the Voorhees line that is this, you know, kind of domineering, you know, almost otherworldly, you know, something's going on with that, that bloodline, that Voorhees bloodline. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I, I know that, I think, was it Victor Miller? Didn't he win the battle? I can't remember. I know it was him and yeah. Cunningham. I think Victor won. Yeah, Victor. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I don't know. If, I'm hoping to get some new movies because like, yeah. if you're going to stop making these movies, don't stop at 12. At least get a 13. I mean, come right. on. <laughs> you can't <laughs> right. do that. Yeah. And it's been too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 13 years ago now. Ugh. There you go. Perfect time to get one. 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, top two. Go in with your number two. I think I know number what it is. 
It it actually is number one. The original, the OG, where it all started. <laughs> and I just loved it. I mean, it, you know, it just it was like kind of like the first of its kind of the time, you know, especially with the the special effects. Like the special effects for, you know, this was like was bomb, you know, and this was like a the really, like I said, one of the really early first examples of like an 80s, you know, special effects slasher. Because obviously, you know, Halloween came out in 78 and that's considered a slasher, but that one wasn't really about the effects or anything like that. You know, we or we kind of touched upon that. It was more like atmosphere and, you know, all of that. So this was like the really first of its kind that really set it off. Because I felt like a lot of 80s films after Friday the 13th came out made sure that their, you know, kind of gore factor was on point where the special effects, you know, were, you know, as real as possible and almost as, as shocking as possible, you know, that, as you can make them. So I felt like Friday the 13th, you know, the original kind of set a tone for how the 80s were set, the way they made the films. And of course, you know, having uh, Betsy Palmer play Mrs. Voorhees was something completely unheard of to have this, not just a female killer, but like an, an older female killer, you know, and, you know, a mother who was like, you know, set on revenge. And you're right, there's no way we could have guessed who it could have been because even in like when they kind of had her lurking in the shadow they had her very they kept her very like manly yep in a sense <laughs> and you know and they said they did that on purpose they she even talked about how they made her cut her hair even shorter and you know they gave her that sweater and, you know she's wearing like that the button up underneath it's more of a like more masculine type of thing because you know they I always feel like they do that a lot with female. Like when you find out that the killer is a female, they always kind of put like a bit of masculinity on them. So you're not going to think it's going to be a female. Because I, when I relate back to that, it's like urban legend. You know, you just had the person in the hood, but they don't make it, make that character like, you know, under the hood, like feminine at all. Or, you know, anything that would suggest like, oh, this could be a female. Like, you know, it, you know they always kind of keep that, man element on the killer at all times so when i feel like so when it is a woman it's just like oh wow it's like supposed to be another shocking factor which you know back in 1980 i'm sure was 10 times as big as it is now because now we've had several female killers so now it's not more it's not really like a a surprise or you know anything like crazy radical but you know 1980 you know having like i said not just a, a woman killer but an older woman killer and then especially betsy palmer who was really known for like being like this wholesome you know, type of, you know, well, I don't know if she really did, like, like, call her, like, did a whole bunch of, like, acting back then where she, I guess she was on some type of, a, some type of show, I don't know, something like a, I don't know, Hollywood Squares type of thing or something, but I just remember, like, seeing certain things about her, but something that just lasted for a long time where people just knew her face and knew her name from that, and it was supposed to be like a more like of a wholesome show. So I actually thought that was actually pretty genius to get her to do that because nobody would have expected her, even her coming in so late into the the film. You know, nobody would think that oh, she's the killer. She just might be somebody who randomly comes and she's going to help. And then she looked. I mean, and she was really brutal in that. Like, I mean, some of those scenes where her and Adrian King are like fighting on the beach. Or just like, you know, and I've heard they really got down and dirty and like, you know, when she's like smacking her head into the, I mean, like all that's real. And she just, and Betsy was really good at being menacing when she finally snapped. I mean, 
that look on her face. It's just like, I mean, she just looked crazy. You know what I mean? And so, and, you know, like I said, you know, and then, of course, you know, how the first Friday, you know, was, you know, there was nothing supernatural about it. Like, you know, like you said, it was, it was a revenge story. You know, this was just about a mother who lost her son who just kind of snapped and, you know, decided to go on this, you know, this revenge plot. And, you know, just went on from there. And, you know, Jason was just supposed to be this nightmare of Alice's, you know, and it was supposed to just be like, oh, is he down there? Or is he not down there? And, you know, so. Then it made money. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, now we have to. And then but that's what always got me with part two. It's like, so it's like, yeah, he didn't really drown, but somehow he survived and just decided to like live in some old shack in the woods for like 20 years. I'm just like. <laughs> absolutely no sense whatsoever it doesn't and also <laughs> also pamela's story is kind of flawed because she worked at the camp so she also wasn't paying much attention to her son so right you can kind of be blamed for that too right and that's what always and i had always and i wasn't never sure if this was how it was supposed to be but if the two uh that were killed at the beginning were supposed to be the ones that let him drown or they just happened to be the ones making out and she was just mad about that and killed him. I don't know if I ever got that clarified or not. But I was yeah. never sure if they were the two or like I said, or if they were just the ones who, you know, just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is, but I could be wrong. All right. So my number two is part two. Jenny right. is is my favorite final girl. I think she's She's genius. The ending is genius with her mimicking being Pamela Voorhees and tricking Jason. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think other than that, you said pretty much everything. I do love the fact that the whole trope of, oh, cars don't start in horror movies. They give you a reason for that in this movie. Like right. she's late to getting to camp because her car is having problems. So it's at least right. believable when mm-hmm. it happens to her. Like you're not like, right. Oh, that car was running fine. Well, no, this car was not running fine. It was having problems <laughs> right. the whole time. And what are our thoughts on Paul? What happened to Paul? It's a mystery. Did he die or did he live? I, for what I understand, Paul actually died. Okay. And even though we didn't technically see it, and that, again, that was something that I read in Camp Crystal Lake Memories, which is why I loved that book. It, was, it answered like so many questions that I had. And you go back through it. I do know I had, but uh, they said that when they did part two, there when she's saying Paul, you know, where's Paul? And then she said there's actually a line by one of the paramedics who says like, you know, he didn't make it, but they said something with the audio was messing up around that, and like you couldn't hear it, even though he says it. They said you can't hear him say like he didn't make it. So is that so? Technically, it was confirmed that he did die, but we couldn't hear it. Oh, goodness. Right. But we never know why or how, because, you know, last we know, Jason pulled Jenny out of the window. And, you know, as far as you know, she he could have killed her, but obviously not. But so it's like, you know, what did happen to Paul? So they kind of left it. I mean, they, 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 I mean, so I mean, we know he died, but we just don't know how, you know, and like, in like what manner. So that's really ambiguous. Right. The way they kept that. All right. We've made it. I, Figured this was your number one. I thought I'd heard you mention this. Of Go course. ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Friday the 13th Part 3 is my number one. Friday the 13th Part 3 in Super 3D. 
the all-new process that puts you in the picture. Whether you want to be there or not. It will scare you. Count on it. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Rated R. Like Chris Higgins is my favorite final girl of the Friday franchise. And I have to know why. <laughs> I just loved her because, well, one, to me, she was like a complete dichotomy to like all the other girls. One, she uh like every girl in the franchise is a blonde. She's like the only brunette in the entire franchise. And the original, like one through eight, she's the only dark haired girl. <laughs> so that's like one so she always kind of a lot of some reason she always kind of reminded me a bit of nancy a little bit just the way she looked you know kind of had that curly hair to her and so i you know so i you know, I always loved nancy so like you know so i always kind of related her and nancy together in a sense and then i love that there's so much mystery about chris higgins that we don't know you know she went through this thing with jason you know in between that five-year jump before we even met her that she encountered Jason in the woods and then she managed to survive it, but we don't know how she survived it. And like, all she tells you in that story is she says, she said, you know, this guy attacked me. She said, she said, I passed out. She said, I don't know what happened. She said, next thing I know, I wake up in my own bed and nobody can tell her why. And you like that. And I love I, that. No, I, I hate the fact that they basically try to turn Jason into a rapist in this movie. Like, he, oh, is it, that what you got? That's the way I take that little scenario. Oh, really? Oh, I feel like I, that's I a sexual. I feel that. like that's a sexual attack they're trying to insinuate. And I'm like, why? Why does this need to happen? Oh, I never actually looked at it like that. Okay, wow. well, this is good. We're working through. Yeah, working that's through. Cra- yeah, I never did. I never did think about it like, like as a sexual assault. Like, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, if he is just like <laughs> out in those woods, <laughs> you know. But other, yeah, but yeah, other than that, like you know, just the you know that um, that mystery surrounding. I always say, I always love the fact that she left a permanent mark on Jason that carries pretty much throughout the entire franchise, which is that. Acts right in the mask. Every time I see that, I mean, I could be on part eight. And you just know, you see that chart and you say, Where did that come from? Chris Higgins did that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then that, that goofy scene. <laughs> oh, the gimmick of 3D. Man. 3D. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the early to mid 80s whenever Jaws 3D was out. This mm-hmm. was out. But I mean, you get goofy 3D scenes. Like, I don't care about seeing a yo yo go down on someone's face. <laughs> like, that's not something I want to see in 3D. Like, the, yeah, the, that, the head crushing of Rick. Okay. That's a goal. Oh, yeah. That's uh, worth it. Shooting the spear. Rick, that's worth that, it. Right. That's what I'm saying. The spear towards Vera. That one was that, a good one. That's worth it. But someone putting a stick towards the camera. I don't care <laughs> about the stick. Okay. And let, let's talk about. So for me, the one good thing Shelly did was this where we get our mask. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on Shelly? Shelly was, he was unlike any other character in the entire franchise to me. He was like a character all of his own. You know, he was somebody who really just doubted himself. You know, I mean, he even says it like, you know, he's like, would you be yourself? You know, if you look like this, you know, he's always wearing masks. I always felt sorry for Shelly. 
you know, because like I just told you, like I was like a bully kid in school and he just kind of reminded me of somebody who just, you know, always just tried to fit in, but just never could. But, you know, just happened to find a friend in, um, in Andy and, you know, he did all this stuff to get attention because he just felt like that was the only way for him to be like he didn't know how else to be because nobody it's like nobody would look at him twice otherwise okay so whether you want to put yourself or someone else have you seen anybody that acts like this in real life yeah yeah that does these kind of things because i've seen he claims to be the awkward shy person i've seen those people Mm -hmm. and they go like sit on a couch stay quiet and keep to themselves Mm -hmm. they're not constantly playing these tricks on people that are trying to scare the shit out of them like to me, this was a weird interpretation of that type of character. But you're, if you're saying you've seen it, then that, that that's mm-hmm. different. I have not seen someone who acts like this. Well, see, I don't. I never looked at Shelly as like the awkward shy or the awkward quiet kid. He was just to me just more awkward without the shine because you could tell he wasn't really shy. Exactly. I, so, so I guess he, wasn't really okay. shy, he was just very awkward. And and it's crazy when I put like have all this stuff on now. I'm I'm think about it like in my like writer's head now when I see these stories now and just kind of put it that way so he was definitely that awkward kid but uh, part of me also thinks that Shelly has some like could have been partially like autistic oh like, I know, definitely like, think like Shelly is yeah I definitely think he's on the spectrum somewhere I, yeah. I would agree with that and that's where but you know back then they didn't really talk about that you just saw these people back then but they didn't really say like what it was they just said they always just called him strange or bizarre or you know the the r word i don't, I don't like yeah it. yeah no you know you know what i mean you know so that's how they would describe it you know but nobody really dove into like the real meant like the the real mentality behind it of like why and like you know so to me i always felt like he like you know like say he was on the spectrum and that was his way of you know in a way trying to communicate because he when he's in the back of the van with vera he tells her like you know, she's like, what do you got in that little, you know, you know, in that box? He says, he's like, my whole world. Yeah. And, you know, it's all his things that he did to pull these tricks. So, you know, that's his way of basically almost communicating or, you know, the best way he can. Because when every time he does stuff, you know, he's laughing. He's like, oh, I guess I got you. And then, like, when they get really mad, they're just, he's like so confused. He's like, no, I was just joking. Like, you know, to him, you know, he wasn't trying to harm anybody or, you know, really cause anybody to be upset. He was just really joking. But, you know, it's not like his mind comprehended how badly that could affect, you know, somebody. I mean, he hides in the lake and scares the shit out of that. I can't remember her name. You remember all their names. Vera. That was Vera? Vera. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just want you to like me. And I'm like, right. I don't know. It's top for me. Two over the top. <laughs> I appreciate the mask. I appreciate the mask, Shelly. Yeah. That one has been my favorite since I was 14 years old. And like I had that one recorded on like from TNT for years. So all I would ever see had ever seen for like years was the edited version. So when I actually bought the VHS um for the first time when I was like 14. I saw it in its entirety and it was like watching a whole new movie because edited back then was like they really edited so like you never saw any of the like the pot smoking scenes in the back of the van like they cut all that out so i never knew none of that stuff was in there <laughs> and i just still remember to this day just like just being in awe like 
you know, just like, oh my, like, this is what I was missing. Like, you know, I was missed. I mean, it could, I mean, I swear they edited out at least 10 minutes of that film. It felt like, you know, so just being able to see all that, like, you know, and then it just really just set it off. And I would just literally come home because when I finally got it on VHS and saw it in its entirety, I was like in middle school, I think like seventh or eighth grade. And I would literally go home and just like immediately turn it on like while I was doing my homework was part three. And like Chris Higgins, like I said, Chris Higgins is my favorite final girl. And Richard Brooker is my favorite Jason. Because I felt like he was the one that kind of set Jason up with that particular swag, that 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 walk he had, and just the way he carried himself. I felt like Ted White kind of used used that in part four a lot. It's I don't know, it was just something about that particular. So when I always think about Jason, like those early moments of Jason, because you know that's when Jason actually ran, you know, yeah. um, actually chase you. And I really felt Brooker really set that off the most, or at least for me, he did. Um, so there's just so many elements of why I just love part three. It was just so like, so I never saw it in 3D until, you know, much later. Cause you know, I was like, I told you I recorded off of, you know, t- uh, TV. So there was no, you know, 3D going along with that. So I just, I just loved it. Just for some reason, always connected with that one the most. All right. And the only one I have left. Friday 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back. Three times before. Sorry to change your mind. You have felt the terror, known the madness, lived the horror. But this is the one you've been screaming for. Because Friday, April 13th, will be Jason's unlucky day. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, rated R. There. <laughs> so yes i like i mentioned even in part five i love the random dancing crispin glover gives an all-time random dancing in horror movie. <laughs> i love the line you dead fuck you know i love that i just love that line i love Corey feldman as tommy jarvis i love the fact that even though it's completely unrealistic he's got all these monster masks i mean they're thomas of inequality because he made them but he's got all these monster masks Hanging around his room that he made because he's just a monster kid. I love the scene where he's looking out across the neighbor and he sees the girl undressing and he's jumping up and down <laughs> on his bed. Like, it, but it's like real. Like, I feel like I would have done that as a kid. Yeah, if I looked out the window and saw that, that's what I, I'd have been like looking, but then burying my head in the bed because I know I'm not supposed to see this. Yeah, right. Like, it just felt so cool. And then I love, I love the end. Like, I know mm-hmm. he, he starts to go crazy himself, shaves his head, and somehow, tricks jason into thinking he's himself i don't know what was like how that was going to work like it's like a manifestation of him in this version but it's got my favorite way that jason dies in any of these movies and like sliding down the machete oh and oh oh yeah yeah violent (laughs) gruesome shows it like that's Mm -hmm. why when you when you hear about part seven not being able to make it pass like that is great Right. That is a violent scene. And then he does what everyone should do in a horror movie, but never does. He picks up the machete and just whacks. I mean, just keep <laughs> whacking. Die, die, yeah. die. I mean, he just goes right. to town on him. Something they never do. They always just leave him always right. dead and then they come back. They you feel like back. Jason is in pieces at that because I mean, you don't see him. Yeah, you don't like, see you know, him. Like Jason is like left in pieces. <laughs> like, you know, the way he just hacks him up. <laughs> All right. So that that is our list. We've done it. So let's let's do something. Let's do something fun real quick. Let's do this. 
why don't you name off like probably your top three or so kills off the top of your head? I know I didn't tell you about this beforehand, but I know you know what we're Let's see. Well, we already mentioned what Rick with the eyeball scene like okay. that. That's like one of the earliest versions of like a scene like that that I love. And then <laughs> the other one is jumping all the way to part nine, which is um, uh, Debbie and Luke in the tent. Oh, that's um, got to be the unedited version because the edited oh, version, yeah. you don't see shit. Oh, you don't see. Oh, yeah. You don't see anything. The edit. Yeah. The unedited version. It, it, I actually kind of have a funny story with that. I, like I watched my watched that with my grandmother. So, you know, her watch movies all the time but she she was a cool grandma like she could watch those movies and just like laugh she wouldn't be like oh my god how oh i can't like you know she would watch that stuff and laugh okay and well, so like good. i remember telling her when that scene i said i said i said i was like do you get it like when they got killed she said what i said i said she literally came and went at the same time and she just died <laughs> laughing it was so funny <laughs> <laughs> so that one is always a good one for me is that one and a third one oh maybe and this is the one i can just think of right at the top of my head quick is um is uh probably the head chop of mrs Voorhees, just because that was pretty new and it looked real you know, that was real effect, real practical effects. I mean, it really looked like her. I mean, you know, you have like the the stub, like, you know, it's not like this, you know, how it is today where it's like somebody gets the head cut off and it's almost like you can see like the blue screen where their head was, you know, or something like that. This was real, you know, and it, you know, had, you know, her hands are like moving, trying to like fill her head. Like, you know, it's almost because they said people can do that when their head is like removed. It's like their body is still moving in a sense and i thought that was just really really interesting like i said especially for like you know that time 79 1980 you know that was really you know so that one is definitely a top kill okay yeah uh i think that tom savini hands coming up looking for the head kind of taking their hairy (laughs) hands that you clearly and i guess if you saw it well i don't know on a theater you probably would notice but by the time it hit vhs Mm -hmm. you weren't noticing that stuff but Right. Now on crystal clear Blu-ray, you easily notice that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Oh, wait, wait. Those weren't Tom hands. Those are Tavro. Tavro Stavrakis. I think that's how you say his name. Tom Savini's like partner that they worked okay. on. That those okay. are his knuckles. Yeah. Those are his knuckles. Like I've seen the pictures where he's got, cause he's basically kind of hunched over like this. And the, 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 the body of Mrs. War, he's only basically like the, the torso up. And he's the one, so when he, he kind of leans over and he's like moving his hands up in the frame and, you know, then you see, of course, see the hairy knuckles. Okay. All right. I know they're hairy knuckles. I know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least shave your knuckles for that scene. Trying to, trying to, I know they were thinking about that. Like super uh, low budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I will go with, oh, shit. I'm drawing a blank on his name. So you're going to help me out. Part two. I think it's Mark, the guy in the wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Mark. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, machete to the face, and then the classic push down, roll down the stairs. I mean, oh my, oh, that's super classic. Yeah, classic kill. I've mentioned Jason X with the liquid nitrogen kill. That thing just wowed me in theaters. So <laughs> it's always stuck with me before that. And I really like Trey and Freddy versus Jason get folded in half, but I think I'm going to have to go with my man Kane Otter and go with the sleeping bag kill. And I, I'll go parts. 
I like Jason X where he does the one into the other. But I think I'm going to go with the, the single slam into the tree from part seven. And originally that one was more. He did it like like six times in the, you know, but before it was cut. He, right. Like when he does it, you just see all this blood coming out the bag. And then it's like in slow motion that I got to see. And I said, that was, I mean, that's like super violent. Like I said, that girl was like shredded. Yeah, I, and I, I kind of do think that scene needs it. Like, a lot of people say the one swing makes it a little more violent that she's dead mm-hmm. on one swing. But my problem is watching that. He picks her up by the head. You know, she covers up. He's picking her up by the mm-hmm. head, and he slings her once into the tree. That's going to, like, smash her legs. He's not hitting right. her on the head at that point. But, right. you know, it got cut. Mm-hmm. He wanted more. He couldn't get it. Not his fault. Right. So, still a classic scene. And I'll say honorable mention to uh, Nikki in part six, where Jason just like slams her face into like the the metal of the like camper, and then like you see the impression of her face yeah. like screaming yeah. as it's going through. I thought that was like so cool. And, like I found out the way they did it was like they filmed it underwater. That's oh, how they wow. like came up came up with that effect to do it like that. So that's really oh that's pretty. I wouldn't even have, like have thought that. No, I always I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I can, I can throw out an honorable mention. I'll go with uh, part five. It's the, the the couple that's out in the woods. It's when the guy walks off and the girl's just laying there and he comes up with the garden shears in the eyes. Oh. Like, and he just crunches like, oh my God. That's so you hear it too. It's just like... Yeah, you hear the crunching. And that's what makes it so <laughs> brutal. So yeah, that would be an honorable mention for me. Oh yeah, that's definitely a good one. All right, I hope you guys have enjoyed this Friday the 13th talk. We're going to get out of here. Anthony, tell everybody where they can find you. Go ahead and tell them where to go find your books, and hopefully we'll see a new one all from you soon. All right, you can always find me on my social media accounts, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, hooks on Twitter, of course, is Ant Lost in Horror, because I'm always lost in horror. Uh, <laughs> in Instagram, you'll find me as Anthony the Dreamer. And then some, I'll keep everyone posted about when this latest book, Fear of Silence, comes out. Make sure you pick up a copy. There you go. As always, Twitter and Instagram, YNF Movie Pod, most active on Twitter, of course. Easiest thing to do, linktr.ee slash YNF Movie Pod. It'll have podcast places, social media, YouTube channel, my letterbox account, all that good stuff. I'll be back next week don't know what's coming yet but until then you guys take care and i'll talk to you next time